On the show today, I'm joined by Nashville actor David Alford. We discuss his role in the show, how it's evolved, and what it takes to be an actor. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Benjamin May McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and as I said, joining me on the show today is David Alford. David Alford plays Bucky on the show Nashville, which just returned last week. He's Rainer's manager on the show, and he discusses that role and what it takes to be an actor and what skills you need to have and what he's been doing for the last few years. After that, stay tuned for our usual movie reviews. But first, here's my chat with David. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, at what point in your life did you know that you wanted to pursue acting as a career? I think it was probably fairly early on. Uh, I was, uh, I was, I guess I was a little precocious when I was in sixth grade here. I guess I was twelve. Um, I did, took it upon myself to write a play, uh, <laughs> which was, it was for the Thanksgiving. Uh, we had a little Thanksgiving thing at the school. Um, and I, I decided uh, to adapt a poem called The Courtship of Miles Standish. And then I took it upon myself to direct it. So uh, <laughs> the, the, the teachers were very nice and sort of, you know, kind about it and very supportive. Uh, and so they gave me a little rope. And I actually did that. I, and I, I was in it and I directed it and I wrote it. And then I was, I, I remember distinctly the feeling when, you know, the guy who was playing the, the romantic lead got all the attention. So <laughs> I, was, I was very jealous. I, I didn't understand why I, why I wasn't getting more credit. So <laughs> that's how it started. <laughs> and uh, can you talk us through your career journey from that moment on? Sure. Um, I was I did a couple of things in high school. I went to a very small college, um, and I, I did some theater there. But then I, I sort of uh, got into music. I was in a, a couple of bands when I was in high school, and you know we had some uh, you know small success, nothing large, but regional success. We traveled around and it was actually country music um, and uh, did that for, for quite some time and so when I was in college I thought that was what I was going to do um, but then I, I uh, met uh, the uh, I met the playwright Arthur Copet who was doing a I guess it was a, a fellowship at the university I was attending and I happened to be in a play. I had replaced someone who actually turned out to be a good friend later in a production. Uh, they'd asked me. They knew I'd had some theatrical experience. And so uh, it was really at that point when he encouraged me to pursue acting as a career. Um, and my experience with him, I sort of got bit by the bug, the acting, the, the theater and the acting bug in general. Um, and it felt like that's sort of where I needed to head. So I auditioned for the Juilliard School in New York. Um, and uh, I, was, I was late, I, was, I auditioned late, but they agreed to see me on the strength of this uh, playwright's recommendation. Uh, and I got in, to my surprise. I really wasn't prepared for that, so, um, so I went. And that was, that's really sort of the, uh, I guess, the, the first part of the career and how I sort of found it. Um, later, I worked for about, uh, I guess, two or three years in New York, uh, theater, primarily, almost all theater. Um, Got sort of tired of waiting for the phone to ring and moved back uh, into the South Tennessee and started a theater company, which I ran for. Uh, you know, I was in theater, running theater companies for about thirteen years, um, and I would pick up the occasional uh, film gig, a uh, small role on the side, that, you know, the stuff that would shoot in this area, uh, and uh, and I guess to sort of you know 
put the bow on the whole thing. Uh, I was during all that when I was uh, doing theater and doing some teaching uh, that the Nashville job came along. So that's sort of how I got to this point. It's kind of been a long and winding road. Mm, it certainly has. But you're you're here now. You're on Nashville, so you've uh, yeah yeah. Now um, I do want to quickly talk about Juilliard a bit. Um, a lot of actors are for drama schools, but I've also talked to some who are against them. Do you think it's crucial for an actor to attend uh, a university that you know specialises in drama to pursue a career in the arts? I I think it depends on the person. You know, I have certainly met people like Hayden Panettiere, for instance, is a great example of someone who was just born to do this job. You know, she's fantastic and. Um, she sort of grew up on film sets, you know, she was on a number of things and, you know, sort of her skill set, I'm really uh, always sort of amazed watching her work, how, technically, um, how well she understands camera and lighting and I mean, she really is the consummate professional um, and she learned as she went. Um, for me, it, would, it was critical. Uh, I didn't have enough exposure. I'd grown up in a very small town, on, well, on a farm, actually. So I, I really didn't have a lot of uh, exposure to uh, sort of professional level or even, dare I say, you know, a really high-quality community theater uh, level experiences in theater. So it was important for me to go. Um, I do think it depends on the person. My son is going to go to college. He's actually he just graduated high school. He's 18. Um, and he's about to go to a school that I was associated with for a while, not Juilliard, a um, four-year school, four-year college. Um, and he's looking forward to it. And I think he'll need it, too, just to you know have more experience and get some, some training. Um, but there's – and it also is a sort of a complicated issue, of course, because, you know, today – I, th- I guess I would have to say that I think it's more important for theater probably in general than it is for film. Uh, not to say that film is easy. It's not. Uh, but it's a different set of uh, techniques, you know. So uh, I guess that's a long way of saying yes and no. <laughs> well, you mentioned there you've done stage and film. Which one do you prefer doing? I, I prefer... Uh, from a performance aspect, I prefer theater. Uh, from a paycheck aspect, I prefer film. <laughs> <laughs> is it the instant, I suppose, recognition from the audience that you like about theater? Well, there is, I think there's a, I think people who get into this uh, profession are sort of called to it, you know, um, in some way. Uh, and that experience that we have when we're on stage in mid-performance um, getting that feedback from an audience, uh, there's really nothing like it. And it sort of feels right. Uh, if you're a performer and if you've experienced that, you know, you know when you're on stage and you have that sense of being connected to an audience, uh, you know how right that feels. Mm. And uh, if you're sort of born to do it. And uh, there's very little that can replace that. So it's that experience of feeling like, oh, I understand why I'm on the planet you know, <laughs> when I'm doing theater that, uh, that I really treasure. Um, which is not to say that it doesn't happen sometimes on film sets, too. I mean, there's certainly lots of people, for instance, on a show like Nashville. Um, and if you're working closely with somebody and there's, you know, there's that organic flow um, and you're really in the moment um, with another actor, you can certainly get that sense. But it's still not quite the same as, you know, you know being in performance in front of a live audience. And the... And the the skills that both demand are, you know, are very different. You know, sort of long-form concentration versus sort of short-form concentration in, in TV and film. But I've had a great time over the last several years working on this, the TV show 
uh, just sort of learning um, the different uh, sort of muscles. It's, it's kind of different, you know, flexing different muscles when you're working for the camera as, as, as opposed to working for the stage. Very true. Now, you mentioned when on stage you have to, you know, have a connection with the audience. Now, I know that sometimes that connection doesn't always establish itself. What do you do in those situations? Wow. Uh, and that is, and that's the, the challenge. I think the, the key for me is when I when I felt disconnected or I felt I didn't have the audience, um, the key is to dive back into the reality that you create for yourself as a performer and with your other actors. I'm a real uh, strong proponent of listening. I mean, uh, actually listening uh, as as an actor and as a person. But yeah, I find often that if I can actually truly listen as if I've never heard what they're saying, before. if I can forget, even though I do know their lines because I've, you know, I've been in rehearsal with them, but if I can forget what they're going to say and actually truly listen to them, it helps uh, lock me into the moment um, in a way that can sometimes grab the audience back, I've found, um, because you sort of recreate something real and actual that is actually happening uh, instead of you're faking, you know, pretending to listen. No, you're actually listening. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps me a lot. But, you know, that said, I have sometimes felt that the audience wasn't with us or me at all. Um, and then the, people say they love the show. You know, it was a great performance tonight. So it's also odd. Sometimes, and sometimes you just know you don't have them because they're, you know, they're actually talking um, <laughs> or, you know, having dinner, um, which, you know, that's, that's kind of rough. Uh, now, all that said, all that said. That doesn't help you at all when you're doing a one-man show and you lose them. Then you're then you're really screwed. <laughs> Very true. Now, was there one project or experience you saw as a turning point for your career? Well, uh, I'd have to say that this this job for me, the job on Nashville, has been a huge turning point. Just in that, I've gotten to do so much more film work, you know, in the medium than I ever had before. I used to. I would do small things, you know, occasionally when they would come through. But, you know, this has been just the uh, the experience of coming to work on a set day after day after day uh, and trying to keep it fresh and working with the writers um, and just trying to do, you know, my job as in, on this show is, you know, I'm supporting, it's a supporting role. So my job is to help tell the story. Uh, it's to constantly ask the question, how can I facilitate, you know, telling the story in the best possible way? Uh, so being in that support role every day and just getting comfortable in front of a camera, which I never really was before, um, I'd have to say this job has been a huge turning point for me. Um, there have been other times in theater-wise, because uh, what I felt, you know, sort of profound, uh, I guess, you know, sometimes you have those experiences on stage and it, it feels great and you feel like you're sort of one with the universe or something. Uh, I've had a number of those, but, you know, as far as a turning point in my career, I'd have to say this this show's probably been the most significant one. Mm. Now, we will talk about Nashville later, but in addition to acting, you've also done some directing and writing. Do you yep. think it's important for an actor now to have other skills applicable within the industry? Well, it's great if you can. I mean, uh, you know, we're, all these sort of um, systems, are, I, I think, are in the world that we live in now with all the different uh, streams and, you know, modes of content that are out there, um, 
the rules, the sort of uh, categories are sort of breaking down a little bit. So, you know, anybody that is sort of one dimensional is really, um, I mean, it was always risky, right? Entering into a profession, acting profession, because there were so many checks and balances and systems to go through. But now, as you rightly point out, you know, anybody can get every, almost everybody has access to great equipment and they can go out and shoot their own film for, you know, a pittance compared to what it would have been 20 years ago. Whereas, you know, 40 years ago, that was, you couldn't even consider that. You would have to have thousands and thousands of dollars and no tons of people to shoot your own film. Now you could actually do it. Um, so I do think it's important. And I think that if, if you can, if you have those skills, you should certainly, you know, should certainly exercise them as much as possible. Um, it just makes you more, uh, you know, I'm sort of better rounded as an artist in general, but I mean, I think probably even more importantly, it it makes you more marketable <laughs> as an artist um, if there's a lot of different things that you can do. So if you can, yes, mm -hmm. I, I do think it's important. Obviously, you can't force it, right? I mean, you can't. No. If you don't, if you don't have any have a great idea, you, I mean, it might be a good exercise to write a script or to learn how to do it, but you know. Um, or you know, I can't dance, so that's that's a that's a documented fact. So I'm not, I'm not going to dance or try to get to be a better dancer because it's just not going to happen. Um, I learned that the hard way, but I do other things, you know, um, sort of where the muse takes me. And I do think today it's more important now than ever. Yeah. So how did you develop those other skills? You know, I don't. They were just things that interested me. I, I've always found that if I pursue the things that interest me, then I've always wound up doing creative things, uh, mostly performance. Uh, I was interested uh, as a young man in music and acting, so um, I took piano lessons, and it interested me. Um, I find that my, that's the same with my my sons. You know, they're you know I have one son, two sons. One's very interested in theater and film, and so. He's naturally gravitated towards, you know, shooting and doing all and, you know, writing his own stuff and acting in his own small films. Uh, my other son is not interested in that. He's interested in music and he's naturally gravitated towards every video game that has to do with music and, you know, just sitting around and messing with the piano. But for me, it's I think if I had any advice, it's to say yes it's it's to say yes to those things that you are, are are pulled towards, right? If you think one day I'd like to learn how to play the piano, well, do that, you know. <laughs> or I'd like to try and write a script, or I have an idea for a book. You have to do. You owe it to yourself to do it, right? To sit down and actually make the effort, because that's the only way you will ever know um, if it feels right and if you continue to do it. I'm. I'm, I understand that there is, you know, discipline and you have to work and, you know, you have to, you know, work hard and sometimes you have to push through difficulties and I'm, I'm a believer in all that. However, I've also found that you will wind up doing the things you are best suited towards by just keeping yourself open, you know, and listening and focusing on the things that sort of draw you. It's been that way for me, anyway. Very true. Now let's, let's have a look at your acting. How do you prepare, prepare before playing a new role? It depends on the role, of course, and you know, uh, it depends on, uh, it depends on the medium. Um, in film, 
the kind of roles that come to me again because I'm a supporting actor and sort of uh, in, in that world. It's you have to sort of bring as much as yourself as you can to the piece, um, and I think that's true in general. But uh, for me, I try to bring as, as much of myself as I can to every role, so that when you know you get to a point where you you wouldn't say that, that's when you start have to having to make those difficult decisions, you know, and using all the Stanislavski "what if," and let me put myself in a position where I might say this, and how does that feel? Um, so, but for me, it's all about reading. The script. I read the script, and I read it again, and then I read it again, and then I space, pay special attention to what the other characters say about my character, because that's really how you learn about your characters, what other people say about you. Um, and, you know, uh, try not to get too hung up on my line, my line, my line, <laughs> you know, and sort of uh, figure out what's going on, you know, underneath, and why do I say this, and asking those annoying questions, you know, why? Why am I doing this now? Why am I doing this now? Which can sometimes drive writers crazy. Uh, but, you know, the, it just makes the scripts better if the writers can't answer those questions. And in the case of great plays, they've already answered those questions, right? They're already there. Uh, the, you just have to find them. So for me, it's all about the script and bringing as much of myself as I can to the part. Mm. So what would you say is the most difficult role you've ever played? Hmm. Bucky <laughs> on Nashville. Uh, no, uh, I, that's a really good question. Uh, Hamlet. Uh, I did I played Hamlet when I was twenty nine, I think, um, and that one nearly broke me um, because that, if that you, breaks all actors. Yeah, well, and there's a reason too. You know, I mean, if you think about it, you know, especially with the, with the way we approach acting currently, you know, the contemporary style of acting, which is to, you know, bring as much of yourself as you can to the role and to try and experience everything for real because that's more interesting, which would never, I don't think, have been the case in Shakespeare's time. I don't, I don't think. Um, but so if you're approaching Hamlet that way, you know, you have to start the play um, ready to sort of kill yourself because your father's dead and you loved him, and you're miserable anyway. And then the very next thing that happens is the ghost of your dead father shows up and tells you <laughs> that your mother is having an affair with his brother. So <laughs> to really buy into that, it makes you snap. You know, if you, if you really sort of own that as a reality, it could drive you, you know, insane. Um, and I, th I think that's why it's done that to so many actors, you know, questioning your own existence, you know. Also, just from a, a performance standpoint, you know, to really invest in all that stuff for Hamlet, you know, over the course of, in our case, two and a half hours, in some productions, as many as four, um, it's, a, it's a brutal workout, you know. It's just really tough. It so, really is. I mean, uh, what do you think is the most memorable or powerful soliloquy that Hamlet does? Well, I mean, obviously the most famous one is the to be or not to be speech. And we staged that uh, with uh, Derek Jacobi had a theory that um, that he wrote about often, and, and others have too, that Ophelia is actually on stage. It's not actually a soliloquy. Um, and so we sort of we sort of did it that way. But for me, you know, the the hardest one that I remember doing is uh, is the Yorick speech uh, because, you know, you're, you're dealing with the a skull, and it's right towards the end of the play, you know, um, I find that very challenging to keep, to find the right balance between 
the sort of fey understanding that, that Hamlet has is, is embraced his own death and he's possibly going to his own death and he probably doesn't care at that point. Um, but also, you know, trying not to slip into melancholy while you're talking about, you know, the sort of, re- the, the vast sort of sweep of the meaninglessness of existence that he's dealing with at that moment. It's a lot to chew, to chew on right there at that particular point in the play and mm. to keep the audience because they've been sitting there for quite a long time at mm. that point. It's I a, found that particularly challenging. It's a very challenging play. Yeah, it is. Now, let's talk about Nashville, and you're probably most well-known for this role. You play Rainer's manager on the show. How did mm-hmm. this role come about for you? Um, I, you know, it's, it's a couple people have asked me that, and they assumed that I might have known something or known somebody because I've been in the area for such a long time. Um, but I didn't. I just, I got it the old-fashioned way. I auditioned for the casting director and then auditioned for the, the next casting director and then auditioned for the director and then auditioned for the show creators. Then they made tapes and sent them somewhere to L.A. Uh, and then I auditioned for everybody in a big in a big room, except for the people that were in L.A. That I didn't, I didn't audition for the network because, again, it was a supporting role. Um, so I guess it was four or five auditions before I got the role on the pilot. And, you know, ironically, it's not the role that I wanted. Uh, uh, there was a producer in the pilot that I thought, a record producer, that I thought was a great role. And that's the one I wanted. Um, so I was a little disappointed when they said, yeah, why don't you read for Bucky? <laughs> and I, I mean, because at that point, you know, we didn't know that the show was going to get picked up. I was very excited when I read the script because I'd seen a bunch of shows on the music industry in Nashville, and none of them had been very good. But I thought this was this was really good. Kelly Curry's, of course, a great writer. Um, so um, it was like, I guess, five or six auditions. And, you know, um, and then they told me that they wanted me for the pilot. And so we shot it. And again, I had no idea that I was going to be in so many episodes or the character was going to be so uh, around so much. So I'm delighted with the way things turned out. But, you know, at the time it was really, oh, they, you know, they're casting some roles locally. So, you know, let's see which one of those you can get. That was kind of that thing. Well, you, as you said, you've been there since day one. So how have you seen this show evolve over the what, last three years? Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of stories. It was, I think, sort of, uh, it, was, it was, was neat. It has been neat to see the character arcs evolve and the, how the characters have sort of shifted from the pilot. And as the writers have gotten used to the rhythms of the actors, that's also really neat. Uh, how the, you know the writers pay attention to the actors, and they started to write for the actors, you know, so that the words, it's uh, so so the writing, the dialogue gets a little easier to say. Um, the storylines get a little more streamlined. They start to you know they start to make sense for the characters. Whereas in the early, you're never really sure where things are going early on. Um, but also, I mean, what's been great for me is just the relationships and and how. You know, you work with certain people a lot and you work with other people less, but, you know, the working relationships with people and sort of working friendships that evolve over time, that's been really neat because I don't go, I mean, I don't go to, I don't shoot five days a week or, you know, I probably shoot two or three days each episode. Uh, But even then, I've been in, I think, gosh, like 56 or 57 of the, of the 62, no. That's not right. Anyway, a bunch. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's I, so get, doing that as a job every day and, you know, 
some people come and go and some people stay, you know. But that's always been interesting for me is just to meet the people uh, that that work on the show and and get to know them. Uh, that's been you know the most interesting thing for me about the entire process. Sure. And you were mentioning relationships earlier. How would you describe the relationship between Bucky and Rainer? You know, I I like to think that you know Bucky is always there for Raina. That's the way I sort of, I like to think of my character as a her, I'm always in her corner, you know. And you have friends like that. I think I do anyway. I don't have many, but I have, you know, a handful of friends that I know will always be on in my corner. Even if I do something terrible, you know, I can call them up and say, hey, can you help me out? And they will. Um, I think that Bucky is like that for Raina. I feel like they've been together, you know, since the beginning of her career, probably. And, you know, he's always there for her. Uh, and, you know, she's been good to him and he's been good to her. Um, and there's a closeness there that's not that's not necessarily best friend closeness, but, you know, colleague closeness, you know, and, and trust. They both really trust each other, which, you know, that's kind of neat, a neat thing to explore. I've actually had that with a couple people in my life. So it's nice to explore that, you know, on film. It is. Now, how do you think your characters change since the pilot? Well, it's funny. I, I, you know, since, you know, in the very first, I remember reading it the first time, Bucky was more of, I was trying to push her. The character was sort of trying to push her uh, in, in a way to get her to do different things. And while I can certainly, while Bucky still does that occasionally to Raina, he still says, hey, why don't we try this? Or why don't we try this? Or maybe you should try that. He's still more, he's become more of a, the guy that's always in her corner, you know, as opposed to, gosh, Raina, I just don't understand why you don't do this. Um, and so the character has changed a little bit, I think, since the beginning. Um, and I think that developed just from, uh, obviously, as the writers go and as you see how the show develops, you see what works between the actors and what works between the characters. And that's a dynamic that I think has developed over the three seasons. Certainly is. Now, in the last season especially, I suppose you've had a bit more screen time now that you're running Rainer's label Highway 65. Right. Has right. this um, let you, I suppose, be a leader more than helping Rainer as much? Because I suppose you're on par a little bit with her now that you've got that executive role. Yeah, a little more. And it'll be interesting to see where it goes, you know, uh, in the next season or so. But, you know, you know, from Bucky's perspective, he... He feels like he certainly paid his dues, um, and I don't. I think he feels confident in the job. He knows, you know, he feels like he knows the industry, and he knows, he knows what he's doing to a certain degree. So, um, that, I think that has felt good for the character to be able to try on, a, you know, a shinier pair of boots, let's say, to use a Nashville metaphor <laughs> for him. Now, uh, as you said, season four is is coming up later in the year. Where would yeah. you like to see Bucky's character go over the next twenty two episodes? Wow. Um, I almost hesitate to say, you know, because I never know what the writers have in mind. None of us do. You know, it's always very interesting uh, to read the script to go, oh, really? That's great. Um, so, but, you know, I, w I would love to see him continue down this path. I think it's, and it's, it also, they've done a little bit of, um, they're sort of testing the waters, I feel like, or at least in the last season they did, with Bucky and Raina not necessarily being on the same page all the time. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they continue to push that further. And I think that would be fun to do um, also from a character perspective. You know, play with that a little bit. We'll have to have a look, wait and see what September 27th, I believe, it returns. So, yeah, I think we have a, 
we have an initial start date of the season, I think, end of July. We're supposed to start shooting again. So Now, I always like to use one listener-submitted question. And when I mentioned I was talking to you, we had one question that came in over 300 times. Okay. Um, now, not, not quite as serious as some of the other questions we've discussed, but um, <laughs> is Connie Britton's hair as perfect in real life as it is on screen? Yes. <laughs> you have some very relieved and very jealous people listening now. I will say this, you know, without, I will say this to your audience. Connie Britton's hair is spectacular and I am intimidated by it. <laughs> oh dear. Well, as I said, some people will be very, very jealous now. <laughs> so can you take us through an average day on set for you? Sure. Um, it depends on the call, but you know, you get the call, you come in, we go, uh, you park, you go to the trailer and that's where you get your sides. Um, you have already gotten the script ahead of time, of course, so you know what you're going to be doing. Um, but you get your small sides in the trailer, then you go to makeup, uh, you get dressed, um, depending on how well, how quickly things are going, you have to wait a little time or a long time, but typically by now, you know, because we've been doing the show a while, things sort of move along at a pretty good pace. Uh, so then you uh, get called to the set. You do a little rehearsal. Um, sometimes you've gotten into costume already. Sometimes you haven't. It just depends. So you sit down with uh, the director and the DP and you know, the the heads of the departments, uh, props and everything else. You discuss the scene, talk about the scene a little bit, uh, read it through a couple of times, block it. And then if everybody's not dressed, we go get dressed and they light the thing, uh, set up the cameras, and then you come back and you shoot it. Um, depending on how many scenes you're doing that day, you know, uh, yeah, and then you repeat that process and the day usually goes, you know, you just, if it's a light day, you might be out in four hours. Uh, if it's a heavy day, you might be shooting 12 or sometimes even, you know, in extreme circumstances, you'd have to do overtime and you could be there for quite a long time. So what's been your longest day on set? Probably first season. Uh, I think I did a, I think I did a 15 or 16 hour day. Ouch, that's got to hurt. Yeah, it was was long. It was long. But, you know, I have to say that, you know, I I remember my my first feature film, uh, which was many years ago, but there were a lot of guys who were actors on the set and they were sort of complaining with the amount of time they were not being used. They're being called to the set and sitting around. And I said, okay, that's true. But from a guy who grew up on a farm uh, growing tobacco, which is an incredibly labor-intensive crop, um... I was just amused that they could complain about getting paid to sit around. So no matter how no matter how rough it might get, and it's it's it is tougher on the leads, right? Because they are called in for much longer hours. But for me, you know, if my complaint is I'm having to you know sit around on set for you know 12 hours, um, dressed nicely with friendly people, um, you know. And things are going well, it's just kind of slow. And they're giving me free food all day. I really, really shouldn't be complaining. No, definitely not. (laughs) Now, Nashville, as I said, is coming back for its fourth season. So what do you think it is about Nashville that creates its wide appeal? Well, I mean, it's the music industry. I think that's the the primary thing. And people like seeing, you know, behind the scenes in the music industry. Also, you know, country music in particular is, I think, perhaps more than any other musical genre. It's about people. Um, 
uh, it's a it's a writer driven industry. Uh, it's about songwriters more than anything else. Uh, tapping into people's everyday lives. Uh, country music has always been particularly adept at that. Writers tapping into the things that that everyday people feel. Um, and I think the show has captured the behind the scenes aspect of that, which is people experiencing things in their everyday lives and then writing songs about them. Um, and also, I think people are interested in how the you know entertainment industry works. You know, I think that's that's for people who aren't involved in it. I think that's also interesting. I think the show does a really good job of that. Uh, is it one hundred percent accurate all the time? Well, no, it's not a documentary. It's not supposed to be. But uh, you might be interested to know that the Nashville, the music industry in Nashville, they love the show, and they think the show does a great job of sort of get in general. Uh, showing what life is like behind the scenes uh, in the music industry here. So mm, that is certainly interesting to know. I mean, I'm yeah. involved in the in the performance industry here, and I know certainly sometimes it can be as dramatic as what you see on TV, even though people <laughs> think it's right. an exaggeration. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Now, um, Nashville does have a very large, dedicated following. Do you often yeah. get recognized by fans at the show? It's funny. I, not not as often as you might think, uh, because I. It depends on what part of town you're in. You know, if you're downtown in Nashville, you know, on Broadway or doing something, people will, you know, sort of point at you because they're sort of looking for celebrities or people that are on the show if they're in those areas. But, you know, I don't frequent those areas. So, but occasionally it does happen. I went on a trip last year and I was in Scotland of all places in a, in a grocery checkout line. And, you know, the woman that was behind me <laughs> said, pardon me, are you on that show in Nashville? And I thought, I thought I was going to lose my mind. Uh, it was the last place I expected to get noticed, yeah, was in Scotland. Mm. Well, what would you say has been the most memorable experience in your career so far? Man, that's a tough one. It's, I, you know, I, I'm 50, so uh, and I know show business people aren't supposed to say their age, but I've been doing this such a long time um, that there have been, there've been a great many uh, but I, I would have to say that I think this show, um, I'm trying to think of a specific moment on this show, but there was a really surreal experience with shooting the first scene of the pilot for this show. I don't know if it was the most memorable, but I really, it sort of seared into my memory because of the intense pressure. And we were shooting at the Grand Ole Opry House in Nashville. Uh, and there were all these really famous people walking around. Uh, and I had a scene with Connie Britton. Um, and it was the very first thing that I hadn't even met her before we started shooting the scene. So, I mean, that moment was really sort of intense and very surreal and sort of a high-pressure moment. Also, it happened to be very hot in the dressing room. I don't know why I remember that. Um, but I don't think I'll ever forget that first day just because it all seemed... Uh, there was a lot of hope and anticipation. We were all hoping that the show would do well. I didn't really understand how big my part would be or that I would be on the show for that long. So when I look back, that's a pretty memorable day. Mm, certainly would be. I mean, that pilot is considered one of the best pilots in television history. So. Yeah, it turned out pretty well. <laughs> it turned out pretty well. <laughs> well, how do you think the acting industry has changed since you started working in it? Great question. Um, I don't really know... There's more jobs, for one thing, uh, and there's not just one way to go about it. I think that's the, that's the biggest change, you know, with all that. We were speaking earlier about all the different, um, you know, 
um, channels that people get their entertainment and there's so much stuff that is produced outside of you know major production areas now that really anyone who's super talented can actually break in um, which really wasn't the case before it was much harder to do I think that's probably the biggest change uh, is that there are so many more avenues for people to get recognized and noticed uh, than there ever have been before um, and that's been a pretty profound change, actually, that's happened in my life. And one of the reasons I left New York was because I didn't feel I was, you know, getting the opportunities that I wanted. Um, and so I left to start my own theater company and do my own thing so that I could play the roles that I really wanted to play um, and direct the shows that I really wanted to direct and not have to wait around. But that's very different now. Uh, the, I think the world is much more accommodating with people of an independent mind and spirit. Well, when you look at independent films, they're thriving as they never have before. So Right, exactly. Well, finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performing arts? Um, this is going to sound so cheesy, um, uh, but it's, I find that it's true. Uh, Joseph Campbell, who was huge in the 80s, um, you know, this book, The Power of Myth, and the stuff he, that he wrote about giving advice... I still maintain that it's very valuable. Uh, follow your bliss, that was his quote. Um, and if, if there's something that you love and that it feeds you and it charges you, there's no greater gift, I think, than to be able to make a living doing something that you love and are passionate about. Um, if you can, uh, do it. Mm, very, very true. Well, thank you for your wise words and your time today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. That was my chat with David Alford. Now, over the past month, I've had the opportunity to check out some films thanks to Palace Nova Cinemas and Universal Entertainment. The first film I saw, thanks to Palace Nova Cinemas, was Sicario. Now, this is a lackluster film that features some fantastic performances from the entire cast, but it fails to engage for the full 100 minutes. The next film I saw, thanks to Universal Entertainment, was Everest. Now, Everest is a strong film, but it featured a few too many shots of uh, the actual mountain, and it did leave some questions unanswered, but it is still a strong film. I also saw The Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials. Now, this movie goes nowhere very, very, very slowly. Uh, you actually start missing The Maze. So, um, I wouldn't recommend that one, and I also saw that thanks to Palace Nova Cinemas. Now, I don't have any new products to review from Madman or Roadshow, but I do encourage you to check out all our wonderful supporters. Madman Entertainment, Roadshow Entertainment, Mad Zombie Collectibles, and Palace Nova Cinemas. Their links are in the show notes. Well, I'll be back next month with two new exciting episodes. I've been your host, Benjamin Mayer McKay. See you then.